Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. All right, a great night of singing, and I sure am glad to be here. It's been a joy this morning to get to know you and be a part of these services, these revival services, and we're so thankful that God is in the midst of us. Reading tonight out of an Old Testament passage, Genesis 22, I think they're going to be able to put it on the board maybe, if you don't have your Bibles, Genesis 22, and I'll read the first 14 verses. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said to the Lord, here I am. Then God said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder in worship, and we'll come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And God said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by the horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. My, what a great uh, testimony to the faith of this man known as Abraham in the Old Testament. Started out this morning preaching and hoping to introduce the subject of our revival. And when Jesus came and said his famous words of John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And we're emphasizing this week in revival the, the, uh, the word that Jesus used there of the three, primarily the word, I am the way. We explained a little bit this morning that he used the word not just simply as a noun to describe a path or a direction. It is that, but it's more than that. He exploded it by using it as a metaphor. And when Jesus talks of the way, He's talking of a specific way of life. 
the way that we live for God and the way that God lives in our lives and enables us to live the Christian life that we call it. It's very interesting, the early church, we wonder a lot of times, what, what did the people call the early believers, those that made up the early church? Six times in the book of Acts, they're known as the people of the way. They were first called Christians at Antioch, you remember, Acts 13. But initially, they were always called the people of the way because they identified themselves with the Lord Jesus and His specific way of life, the life that He had imparted to them through salvation and the life of the way of living, the way God wants us to live along the way. So that's what we're looking at as we, each night of the revival, we'll try to focus on a specific person in the Old Testament and also a specific aspect of their living. Because you see, in all the Old Testament, and all the way through the Bible, when you look at people's lives, and you should be able to look at my life and yours and say, you're people of the way. Paul mentioned so many times, and we're going to concentrate primarily tonight on Abraham's faith. He's known as the father of of the nation of Israel, and also the father of all those who believe, Paul said in Romans chapter 4. So he is our spiritual father because he uh, he is the great example of, of how we truly come through the avenue of faith to know God and to live for God. It is the way of faith. The way of Jesus is the way of faith. When Jesus came and was born into this world in Bethlehem of Judea, I love what the old preacher said, God came down the back steps of heaven and laid a baby in a manger in Bethlehem of Judea, and they called His name Jesus. And He grew up because He was the Son of God. He was the Word made flesh that came and dwelt among us. And for 30 years, He lived an obscure life all the way up in the region of Galilee, the northern part of their little country, in that little little obscure village of Nazareth. And then at age 30, he stepped out on the Jordan River and John the Baptist recognized him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he was baptized. And in that baptism, the Bible said he came up out of the water and, and, and the Lord descended in the form of a dove and a voice from heaven proclaimed, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him in whom I'm well pleased. And so that was the inauguration of the Lord Jesus. And then he began his life of preaching and teaching and saving and working among the people. But he also lived a life that showed us the way. And deliberately and passionately and humbly and attentively, he set out to live the way that you and I are called to live. So he came to be the example, yes, but also the enabler, as we said this morning, Because when God calls us, He calls us and enables us to live. Christianity is the Lord living in us and through us. And He always works in us before He works through us. We come to Abraham and we find this fascinating, interesting passage in the Bible. Genesis 22. Abraham's first introduced in the 12th chapter of Genesis. God calls this man. And He calls him to go on a journey. And that's what God calls us to the way of a journey. A journey with God. A journey to trust Him and to live for Him 
and allow Him to live and work in our lives. It's always a journey. And Abraham had two symbols that we'll talk about a little bit as we try to combine the whole story of his faith. But there's two great symbols of the reality of his life of faith. One of them is a tent. He always, as he journeyed, he, he dwelt in a tent, the Bible said. Significant, because it, it, it showed him and exemplified him as a pilgrim journeying through this life. And that's what we all are, isn't it? We're just journeying. We're all on our way. And we're on the way of this journey of life. And the way that we journey with God is through this avenue of faith. And Abraham is that great example. So the first, first symbol of his life is that of a tent. I remember Corey, uh, reading where Corey Ten Boom said one time, she said, don't hold on to life too tightly. Don't get so attached to the material aspect of life because one day you'll lay it all aside and it'll mean nothing really in the long run. But the things that we grasp and look to and journey towards are the things of God. And we live upon the promises and the reality of God in our lives. And that's the journey. That's the aspect of our pilgrimage, the Bible says. And then the other symbol, of course, is that of the altar. Everywhere Abraham went in his journey of faith, he established an altar. It was always the center of his life in recognition of God, in worship to God, and in the, in the understanding of the sacrificial way in which we give up our lives and we give up ourself in our self-centeredness and we present ourselves a living sacrifice so that God can take us and use us in the way that He wants to use us in such a wonderful way. So we come to this passage, and it's a, it's a very disturbing passage because God asked Abraham to do something that he could not have understood. And we don't understand. How could the God that he understood and loved, and believed in, and followed. How could he ask him to take his son and commit murder? God doesn't do that. It goes against everything that we think that God is, and should be, and will be. And so we find, as the Bible says, the testing of his faith. And we're going to find that our test also, if it's real, biblical faith in the Lord, our faith will be tested in this world. It's part of the journey, and it's part of, of, of really a developing of our maturity and relationship to a fuller and deeper understanding of the love of God and the ability and the provision of God. He is the Lord who provides, and we count upon Him to do exactly that. Regardless of whether we can explain it or fully understand it, we trust Him because He's trustworthy. And He is the Lord, and He is the one who shows us and leads us in the way that we should go. And so the first thing we recognize and understand about this journey of faith, we trust Him, and we, we, we count on Him to lead us and to show us the way all the way through. I love uh, the good story I heard years ago. It has a lot to say about life. Life is good and bad, isn't it? ups and downs. And for some people, they think, well, if you believe and trust the Lord and you're saved and you live for Him, you won't have any difficulties or any trials or any ups and downs. But we all do 
That's part of the journey and part of the test. I love the story of the lady that met her old friend after many years and she never had been married and she met her friend and she said, oh, I've got some news. And she said, what is it? She said, I've, I've gotten married. She said, oh, that's good. She said, well, he's a real rascal. He's a mean man. And I tell you, he's something else. She said, oh, that's bad. She said, oh, but he's a rich man. She said, that's good. She said, but he's stingy. She said, oh, that's bad. She said, but he built me a house. She said, that's good. She said, but it burned down. She said, that's bad. She said, he was in it. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Uh, But that's a reality, isn't it? Life's good and bad. Up and down. Backwards and forwards. Sometimes I think I understand it all. Then the next day I seemingly don't understand much of any of it. How about you? Life's a whole lot bigger and a whole lot more than I ever thought it would be and could be. And I've found in my journey with the Lord, I've found that I need a guide. And I need someone that can take me especially through the dark places and the places where I do not understand and cannot comprehend. We need a Savior and we need a Deliverer. And we need a provider. We need someone that's wise and someone that's all-powerful and someone that knows exactly how to help us and to, and to bring us along the way in such a way that we can grow in our faith and our understanding and grow in our determination to live for Him along the way. That's the kind of God that we have. Jesus came to tell us about Him. And over and over again, one of the great words that He introduced when He came that astounded His disciples. They came to Him one day and said, Lord, teach us to pray, like John taught His disciples to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And deliver us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. He addressed his, His Lord as Father, His God as Father, and He taught us to also address Him as our Heavenly Father. You see, when we start the journey and we come like Abraham did in his journey, he was taught to to believe in God, the invisible God, and to follow Him, and to live for Him, and to depend upon Him every step of the way. And that's what faith is all about. Faith, someone has said, takes us off of a flat earth existence and moves us into a realm of a multi-dimensional life that involves heaven and earth, the visible and the invisible. It brings us into an encounter and to a relationship and an involvement with the living God. Though He be invisible, we encounter Him and we realize Him and we live for Him and we trust Him and He makes Himself available to us each and every step of the way. I love what O.A.W. Tozier once said about Christianity. He said, a real Christian is an odd number anyway. 
He feels a supreme love for one he has never seen. He talks familiarly every day to someone he cannot see. He expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another. He empties himself in order that he might be full, admits he's wrong so that he might be declared right, goes down in order to get up. He's strongest when he's weakest, richest when he's poorest, and happiest when he feels worst. He dies so he can live. He forsakes in order to have. He gives away so he can keep. He sees the invisible. He hears the inaudible. And he knows that which passes knowledge. That's the Christian. That's our way of life because we live our life of faith. So the common denominator of Abraham and of our our Christianity also is the common denominator of faith. Paul wrote to the church at Rome and he said, I thank God in every remembrance of you and I thank God for your faith which is spoken of throughout the whole world. What's Palmetto Church remembered for? What are you noted for? Are you noted for your faith? Is your faith spoken of throughout this community within the lives of every home and all around this little community right here? God wants us to be known for our faith and our trust. And the world is looking. They're looking to see if our life, because our life is not much different than theirs on the outside, but it can be so different on the inside when we have the strength that comes from our faith relationship with the living Lord. He makes all the difference in this world because of His reality and because of His existence and His work inside and also through us as we journey through life. We need someone that can change us and work and call us out of our little existence of the mundane, everyday lifestyle that we live in. Abraham was called in Genesis chapter 12. You remember the story how God came to him and said, Abraham, I I want you to go to a place that I'll show thee. Didn't have any idea where he was going. Just went home one day and said, Sarah, pack up your bags. I've been there before. And she said, where are we going, Abraham? He said, I have no idea. (laughs) Just pack up your bags and let's go. Because he was going to a place that the Lord said he would show him. And God said also, Abraham, I will make of thee a great nation. And you shall be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And through your seed... S-E-E-D, singular, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. We know who the seed of Abraham is. He's none other than the Lord Jesus Himself because Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob and Jacob had the twelve sons. And that those twelve sons became in reality the nation of Israel with the twelve tribes. And through the twelve tribes down the history of mankind, one day became a Savior that was born in Bethlehem, Judea. Of the, of a descendant of, of the son of David, none other than Jesus himself. And he is and always shall be the blessing of all the nations of this earth. The one and only Savior of mankind. And God promised Abraham that. And he stepped out in his journey of faith. What an amazing response to the call of God. I want to say to you tonight and to me also, that's what God, that's the way God encounters us, is it not? Comes to us, Abraham was an individual. 
We think a lot of times of these biblical people as extraordinary people. They're not extraordinary. They're just like you and I. And God comes to us in our ordinariness and He comes knocking at our door. And He comes calling to us to respond to Him through the avenue of faith, to trust Him, to say yes to Him, and to respond to the journey of life that He calls us all to. But it comes through the avenue of faith. You see, faith gives us a special way of seeing. I love wildlife and animals and all of that. I love, uh, I love birds. My granddaughter from Virginia came down just a few weeks ago and spent a few days of a weekend with us, my wife and I, and we sat there and watched a movie. And it was called The Bird Watchers or something. It was, uh, I mean, who in the world would sit down and watch a movie where they did anything but watch birds, you know? And my 14-year-old granddaughter was sitting there beside me and she said, I can't believe I'm sitting here with my grandpa watching the bird movie. <laughs> but I'm having fun. <laughs> it was Steve Martin and Jack Black. These young people know who that is and I forget the blonde-headed guy's name. But anyway, it turned out to be a pretty good movie. But I love birds. I always have. One of my favorite birds is a kingfisher. And he sits down by a river stream or a mountain stream or somewhere and he fishes. And God has given that little fella a special ability because when he, dry, when he dives in, he flies in the air. He's meant to, you know, be a bird in the air. But when he goes fishing, he dives into the water and he has a special lens that comes over his eye and he can see under the water and catch his bird, catch his little fish of prey. I said, if God can enable a kingfisher to dive under the water and catch his fish, what can he do for you and I? He can enable us to do special things. And we can have the ability to do what we could never otherwise do were it not for the power of God and the enablement of God to come into my life and yours. Jesus said a lot of things when he was here. A lot of challenging things. I think one of the most challenging things, he said, we're to love God with all of our heart, all our soul, and all of our might, and our neighbor as ourselves. I thought, my goodness, Jesus, you don't know some of my neighbors. Old Will Rogers, the old cowboy, uh, humorist, once said, he said, uh, I, never, I never, met a man, never met a man I didn't like. I thought, Will, you've not met some of them I've met, you know. <laughs> Not, it's not easy to love people, not the way God wants us to love, is it? And then he went on beyond that, though. He didn't stop there. That was enough. He said we're to love our enemies. I've said, Lord, I can't do that. I can't do that. We're to give thanks always for all things. I said, Lord, I can't do that. <laughs> That's way beyond he said we would go to second mile whenever people insulted us and mistreated us. Whenever we suffered losses and crosses, we were to still rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, and I'm saying, Lord, I can't do that. And He knows that we can't within our own ability. So He gives us a supernatural ability. The Christian life is a supernatural life because it is the life of God within us. That enables us to do what otherwise we cannot do. Everybody needs loving. You know that? Everybody. There's not a person in this world that doesn't need loving. And when we go in and out of these church doors, and when we come in the church doors, 
the thing that everybody that sits on every pew beside each and every one of us, you know what they need? They need love and they need the kind of love that only God can give us and work through us and teach us and help us to do. And these people out on the streets of this town and all over this world need people that will love them and look at them through the eyes of a loving Savior that gave Himself and died so that they might have eternal life. People that are willing to go out and love the unlovely and love the unlovable and tell them about the goodness and the love of God. I love the story about the old boy that was going to a community fair. They had a lot of animals. When we were kids, we used to go to the Atlanta fair ride the school bus down and, and you know we didn't have much money so we'd go watch and look at all the exhibits the cows and the chickens and all that sort of stuff we just enjoyed being away from home a little while and uh but this lady uh, this guy was headed for a big occasion a big county fair he had a had a chicken and he had a pig under his arm and he had a chicken and he had a basket balanced on his head He's going across through the, through the old country road and he came upon a young lady and he said, young lady, I'm not from around here. Could you tell me the directions to the fair? She told him to go out here about a mile and turn right and go another mile and turn left. He said, I, he said, I don't, I'm not sure I can do all that. It's too complicated. How about you going with me? She said, oh no. She said, you might try to kiss me if I go with you along this way. He said, how can I possibly? I got a pig under an arm, I got a chicken over here, and I got this basket up here on top of my head balanced as I go. She said, well, you can put that chicken down, put that basket over him, and I hold that little pig. (laughs) Oh, Lordy. (laughs) Let me tell you something. We all need loving. We need loving unconditionally is what, what I need. I need a Savior and a Lord, a God that's almighty and all-powerful, that's in charge of all things. He's sovereign God, but I need to know that He loves me. I need to know that He loves me unconditionally. Right where I am, right as I am, day by day, in and out, up and down, I need to know He won't give up on me. He'll never turn His back on me. That's my faith that's anchored in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. So God tests Abraham and, and over and over again, we, as, as you look at his life, we have a lot in the Bible about this life of Abraham. When God called him and Sarah to go out on the journey, they weren't a little bitty young, young couple. Abraham was 75 and they started the journey. The Bible says Sarah was not able to bear children. She had never had children in her life. Was in a, unable to bear children. And God said to that man and that woman, you're going to have a child. And the descendant of your child will be the seed that will be the blessing of all mankind. The promise of the Savior, the Lord Jesus. And he believed God. One time in the Old Testament is the word believed God mentioned in the life of Abraham. From chapter 12 all the way up, here we are in chapter 22, it goes on over to 24. All those years, one time, it says Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. But yet when you get to the New Testament, he's, the ex- he's held up as the example of a man of faith. 
The book of Hebrews, the one chapter that we call it the chapter of faith. The word faith is mentioned 29 times in Hebrews chapter 11. And it, and it gives a list of 19 different individuals and it talks about their faith. But when it comes to Abraham, four times it says Abraham believed. And Abraham and Sarah believed over and over again. Paul in Romans chapter 4 mentions Abraham's faith over and over and over and over again. The exemplary man and, and woman that believed in God. We know as Abraham and Sarah began to live and God promised them a son and the years went by. Fifteen or twenty years, they didn't have any children. Abraham's still, he's an old man, but he's able to have children. And they begin to try to reason this thing out. Isn't that the way we do in our faith journey? We say, well, maybe God wants to do this or wants to do that or meant to do this. And instead of waiting upon the Lord, we begin to sort of manipulate. And then the world that we live in has such a, such a crazy idea of what faith is all about anyway. A special kind of feeling or just sort of a pretending, you know. Little boy in class, the Sunday school teacher said, Who can tell me the definition of faith? And the little boy raised his hand. He said, Oh, I know. It's believing that which you know is really not true. <laughs> uh, that's what a lot of people think about our faith. You know that? Faith is always, biblical faith is always based upon the object of our faith. Jesus never just said believe. He said have faith in God. The reality of who He is. The promises that He's made. The person, especially the person of the Lord Jesus who came to save us and to give His life a ransom so that we would not have to pay the penalty for our sins. He came to die for us and we're called to believe upon Him. The early statement of faith by the early church was, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Abraham and Sarah, after several years, and Sarah came to Abraham and said, well, maybe God wants to give us a child through our handmaiden, Hagar. And Abraham gave in, and both of them, the, uh, Abraham, uh, Hagar had the child, and they called his name Ishmael. Abraham was out of the will of God. And you know when, what happened with old Ishmael? Everything that happened in that poor boy's life, he's going to be a harassment and a reminder of Abraham and Sarah that they did something out of the will of God according to the flesh and not according to faith. Well, we know that Abraham finally became so old that he himself could not bear children. You know what happened? God said, now it's my time. When you and I get to where we can't do it, we can't do and can't perform uh, what God calls us to do and to be as Christians. As I said earlier, we cannot live the Christian way of life. And so when Abraham and Sarah got to the end of themselves, God stepped in. And guess what? A child was born. God's in the business of the impossible. And He steps in just at the right time always. When we, so God sent that son of promise, Isaac, and on down through the descendants till Jesus came. And it's a reminder to us this evening, that's the way of faith. We trust Him to do what we cannot do. I'll tell you, uh, you'll laugh at me, it's a silly story. It's a real story this time. 
<laughs> when I was a young boy, I grew up in church. I knew the facts about Jesus. I knew, I knew, I, you know, that I'd heard the story. He died for me, rose again on the third day. I believed in Jesus, but I knew that He was not my Savior. And I wanted to be my Savior more than anything else in this world. I went to a revival service with my little friend. I was raised Methodist, I told you this morning. And we went to a Baptist revival. I'd never been in a Baptist church. Old church outside of Roswell, Georgia, named Willie Old Baptist Church, named after an American Indian. It was a hot summer night. I don't remember a whole lot about it. I was just a boy. Old church with the windows rolled out. And they had a big old, I remember the keg of cold water with a big old chunk of ice outside and a dipper for everybody to drink out on. I remember that. We went into church, a preacher preached, and I sat in the back because the church was crowded with my little friend. And I said to my little friend Bobby, I said, whenever, I said, sometime or another here, they're going to they're invite us to come. And I said, we need to go up so that we can be saved. I kept talking to my little buddy. I wanted him to go with me. Well, he didn't go and I didn't go. They, they had people that did come up, people that prayed. And I'd never heard people pray out loud in church before like that. I thought, this is an amazing meeting. <laughs> and so after the church, the preacher's dismissed. And my, me and my buddy were at the back door and he started to come out and he looked at me and he said, Son, he said, don't you want to be saved? And here I am, a little boy. And I looked up at him and I said, Yes, sir, that's what I came down here for. He said, Well, why don't you just bow right there and pray and ask Jesus to save you. So I got down on my knees, a stranger in a, in, a, in a strange church. And I prayed out loud because I'd heard people praying out loud. And this is what I prayed. Lord, if you'll save me, I promise you I'll never sin anymore. I'm as serious as a heart attack. I didn't know what else to pray. I thought I had to promise him something. You know, I thought I had to you know, make a, some kind of a bargain. You know, I didn't, I didn't know. I thought, surely, you know. So I kept praying. It seemed like an hour, but it's probably just a matter of a few minutes. And then I got real quiet, and I gained my emotions as a child. And I didn't pray out loud, but this is basically what I said to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't think I can promise you anything, but I'm right here. And I'm asking you, I'm trusting you as best I know how to be my Savior. And I invite you, Lord, I know if you don't save me, I'll never be saved. And I'm asking you, I'm trusting you to save me. You know what happened? He saved me. He came into my heart because at that moment, right there, deliberately, intentionally, prayerfully, as earnestly and humbly as I knew how, I trusted Jesus to come into my life. And you know what? He did what He promised to do. Abraham went through the test of his faith right here after these many years in his journey. Faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And God tests our faith as we go along the way. Some of you may be in a big test here this week. Hadn't got the final results in yet, as we say. But testing reveals the reality of our faith. And here's Abraham, once again, further along down the road, and God's testing the very promise that He made and saying, offer your son on the altar. These two areas of His life that God tested Abraham, same He'll do for you and I. 
He asked Abraham, first of all, to bring the worst thing that ever happened to his life and turn it over to him. That was Ishmael. And Abraham did that reluctantly because, you know, it was a big test and there's a whole lot inside of that. But God had to, Abraham had to come to the place to where he would release that young man into God's care and God's, in, into God's will for his life. And then he brought him to the place of testing to give the best that God ever gave him. Isaac, that's our biggest test. How about you and I today? What about the reality of where we are? As parents, we have, to, we have to release our children to the Lord, don't we? Somewhere along the way, should be at the time of their birth. He gives us our children, but we should be giving them back to Him and releasing them. By faith, we trust Him and we make that commitment. Whatever's happened in my life and yours, some of you have had some bad places, bad things. All of us have. Have you released that to the Lord and just signed that over to Him and said, Lord, I can't change it, I can't go back? So many times as a pastor, I watch people and love people and they carry things with them. Just keep carrying that baggage along the way. God wants us to release that to Him. That's the only way we can ever get on and make this journey and live the way God would have us to live. We release it to Him and we allow God to be God. Faith, as Abraham shows us, and I'll close here tonight, it's not living a life where we explain everything. Faith is not living by explanations. It's living by passions. Jesus said, I do always all those things that are pleasing to Him. So that's what God wants us to do, to trust Him and to live for Him and to allow Him to be God of our lives and take our bad and our good. And I'll tell you what He'll do when He takes the bad. He'll take it away and not give it back. He'll take care of that. But the good, just like He did for Abraham, you know what He does? He took, he took His son Isaac, He sanctified him, and He gave him right back to him. God will never take the things out of our life that are not the things that we need along the way. He knows what to do and how to do. And what He asks us is to trust Him. We're going to sing an invitation here tonight. And we're going to ask Brother Jimmy once again to come. And I'm going to ask you tonight that are here, what about your relationship with God? Do you really trust Him? Have you really accepted Him and allowed Him to come into your life as your Savior and Lord? Is He really your Savior? Do you know Him personally tonight? In the free pardon of sin? He's the one that can take it and and cleanse us and make us whole. He comes to save us and He's in the saving business. little boy came forward one night in service and, and he, and he was, made his profession of faith and was saved. And He said, Preacher, can I say something to the congregation? He said, Sure. He said, Well, I want to tell you what's happened to me tonight. He said, Me and God did it. And the preacher said, Uh-oh. He said, What do you mean by that, son? He said, I did the sinning and God did the saving. And that's exactly what it is, isn't it? That's exactly what it is. He, he'll take our lives. He's had some mighty big accounts on his list. And if he can take David and Abraham and all of these folks, he can handle my life and yours also. If we'll trust him. If we'll live obedient for him. Once He comes in. So we're going to stand and ask you tonight, would you come? You may be here and need to join this church of faith and become a partner in their work of the Lord. And we're going to invite you to do that also. Whatever might be on your heart, 
this evening in this church, in this place, for this revival, at this time, we invite you to come in a, in, in, into the saving faith and the knowledge of the Lord.